We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yo, Anora Boys in the building. Lucky Lucky Podcast. Brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. That premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you drink, make sure you do so. Responsibly. You got to do it responsibly. CFB Nation presented by Twisted Tea. Hey. <laughs> Never miss a beat on that one. Hey, you know when you hit the right note, but it's it's the wrong note. It's the right, but the wrong note. I get that. Right. One. It's like saying something, cracking a joke to your girl, and she laughs because it's not funny, but it's silly, and she just thinks you're cute, so she laughs anyway. Yeah, it's goofy. Right. It's goofy. It, you know how it is. You know how it is. It's like, you going to laugh because you know it was funny for real. <laughs> Yo, so I forgot I had this uh, breakfast with my dad this morning, right? That's right. And so I was laughing because I was he was asking about the show. And I was like, yo, everything's good. And he was like, uh, uh, man, how's Malik doing? I was like, yo, he had one of our experiences flying back from his uh he was like what do you mean i said man you know his plane was on the tarmac for a while he was like so my father immediately sits up and says like minnesota and i'm like yeah like minnesota so like true story man we our family flies out to california for family vacation right okay they leave on friday me and my dad stay behind of course to to make sure church is fine on Sunday. Yeah, everything straight and squared away. Right. So we immediately church. Drive to O'Hare to catch a plane. The only flight that would get us there was a connecting flight from Minnesota to Ontario. Ooh. Right. And because we were driving down to uh oh what's the resort town? South of uh, Ontario. I forget. Uh, it's Big Bear, right? No, it's not Big Bear. It is uh, the other one that's in the desert. It's real hot. What is it? Oh, I uh, I'm bugging. Tahoe, Lake Tahoe. 
No. But anyway, so this is the middle of summer, bro. It's like 95 everywhere. Jesus. So we land in Minnesota so to connect. We sit on the tarmac so they don't have a gate for us. So, you know, they shut the plane down. You shut the plane down, you cut the air off. That's so we're true. on the tar we're on the tarmac in ninety-six degrees, baking. No air. No, for an hour. And, it, and we missed our connecting flight. It was the worst. But why they cut off the the jet though? Dude, I man. It was just so I know people on the plane was tight. Man, you triggered my dad this morning, bro. It was one of the worst experiences. <laughs> Because I'm younger at that point. So, you know, you can take I, it. I, I, I could cope with it. Him being older, it was really messing with him. So he was like, man, yeah, tell that older. brother. He's like, man, I am not yeah. handling this real. <laughs> he was like, tell that brother I, I understand what he went through. Yeah, being stuck on that tarmac is something different because you, you just instantly get irritated because you're like, I know they're not disorganized like this. All these planes here, they don't got nothing to get us off. I see, you know, when I, I went on a plane with Mike Tyson before, he got off for everybody else on the tarmac. Had the ports waiting for him at the bottom of the, at a, of the plane. He might have taken 10 steps through that entire airport because his car was outside of the plane, not ground transportation. Not yeah. you got to walk through and go through baggage claim. That Porsche was waiting on him. And he got off 20 minutes before anybody else could get off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because he stood up so quick. I'm like, hold on, you got to sit down and, you know, like, they said he had a special exit. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So Lucky Lucky Podcast, Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart will be back to Clemson. Uh, tight end Mitchell Evans is out for the season. Torn ACL on the A lot of people upset saying that he shouldn't have been on the field at that point because Notre Dame was in control of the game. Look, injuries can happen at any point in time. And I understand that. Hey, it was a minute left in the fourth quarter of a playoff game with the Bulls up 11 and Derrick Rose towards ACL. So I know your pain, especially as a Bulls fan. That the whole pick, the whole future of the Bulls was done. It's done. But realistically, he had what two more seasons before just the game changed at that point because that's when the threes start getting hot. Well, he, you had, have he wasn't to, a good shooter at that point. You have to hit while the iron is hot. Yeah, he he hit at the only time that the Bulls could win, right in the middle before the transition. Wait, when, wait, when what, though? What do you mean? LeBron was still in the East. We, well, they were going to the Eastern Conference Championship. Well, oh. this, the, the Pacers would never exist if Derrick Rose didn't tear his knee. <laughs> Paul George is eating now. Don't, don't discount Paul George. Derrick Rose was sending them home in the first round <laughs> consistently. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. But Marcus Freeman met with the media. So let's get to it, left. Uh, this is what he had to say. Just about, and some you talked about, it's hard to really judge uh, your team coming off a game against a bad team because you don't want to right. overreact and this is what he had to say about saturday's game saturday just again overall as you go back and look and study it um i told the coaches i was extremely pleased with the overall performance right there's always plays that you'll look at and you want to improve on but overall um on all three phases there was a lot of positives you know defensively is the ability to hold that team that offense to to really zero points until the fourth quarter and to create four takeaways is I mean, it, that's that's huge for our team. And then offensively, you know, I love the way they responded. You know, after two first half turnovers, um, you know, I challenged them at halftime and, you know, look back at that game. And, and I think offensively, we truly scored probably 38, 38 of the 58 points, um, you know, but to have 500 plus yards against um, that defense that, that came into the game had some good stats, you know, good statistics. So I was pleased at the the overall effort um, from our offense and then special teams. Again, the ability to we scored 14 points this week on special teams. Um, that's two, twice in a row, two weeks in a row that we've put points on the board um, from our special teams unit. And so when you're able to do that on all three phases, um, you're going to have an outcome uh, like you saw on Saturday. And so. 
you know, the other thing to get the opportunity to play some of those younger guys late in the game, you, you, you don't always get the, the opportunity to do that. And so when you can do that in meaningful time and evaluate those guys um, and get them a chance to get better versus another opponent, um, that is invaluable experience. And so the challenge will be to continue to improve, continue to figure out why you have the performance um, you, the way you did on Saturday and, okay, what do we have to do to take this thing to another level? That will be my challenge for for our program as the head coach. We've got to continue to take this thing to another level because there is another level um, for this team. So he talked about another level. Of, I love what he talked about, Left. He knew that his team was going to win that game on Saturday. That's right. So he was more focused about the performance, how they play, being clean, and taking the next step and building to that next level. What is that next level for this team? But he feels like this team has another level. Well, it would just be to continue the dominance against better competition. And I think that's what he means. Sometimes you got to stack up early to build up the confidence to play these quote-unquote bigger matchups or, or better teams down the line. He would love to see a 58-7 victory versus an Ohio State versus a Clemson versus, you know, the teams that uh, are worth all the money for in the season. That's what the, the next level is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a 58-7 victory against a team that is struggling themselves isn't going to get the crowd where it should be, especially Marcus Freeman can realize that being a former player, you know, you're just happy for the overall success of the team. We played good, then we're supposed to do okay. But a 58-7 victory over a Clemson, that would be the next level. A 58-7 win over USC, we, we damn near, Cal almost did that to him, but that's a that's still a big win. Um, 58-7 versus Ohio State, obviously we would know that we would be kings of the world at that point because if we do that to Ohio State, I can only imagine, you know, what we would do in the championship game. So Marcus Freeman knows that that feeling has to be reserved for teams that are more credited. And once we get to that point, I think Marcus Freeman would, you know, attain the next goal of keeping that dominance at championship level. But – that's the next level for us, man, doing what we did to pick to the better teams. And just to talk about that next level, uh, the tight end room has to step up. Their lead receiver, out for the year, number one tight end. But this is the issue, right? If people talk about Mitchell Evans. Left, I remember Mitchell Evans as a red shirt freshman. And Michael Mayer pulls a hamstring. And Virginia is supposed to be this really up-and-coming team, right? And Notre Dame has gone the road at night to play Virginia primetime, and they don't have Michael Mayer. And this red-shirt freshman named Mitchell Evans jumps up with, like, five catches, some like 70 yards out of nowhere. And everybody's like, yo, where'd that come from? Dude, tight ends at Notre Dame are everywhere. Turn around, there's a tight end that can play. That's right. Or you'll in find a new name to fall in love with because he'll get Absolutely. a couple plays and make something happen. You're like, man, it, we just keep reloading. 
that's why a couple of weeks ago we were talking about look Notre Dame is literally playing five six tight ends every game yeah. every game five to six Tommy tight ends. Trimble when he went to the league wasn't the main starter all the time had a touchdown yesterday from Bryce it had a touchdown yesterday that's right so it's like his impact is how we would love to see our receiver room how we would love to see our running back room develop is guys being able to play by committee and then still be able to develop well enough to get drafted and be an impact at the next level as a room like michael mayer had a lot of success but he was in the same room as tommy trimble who got drafted in the same room as cole Komet when he got drafted so it just showed you the tight end room has the uh has shown the ability of what this program could look like if it was in every unit. If we had the tight end success in every unit, or at least that type of structure, D-line would have stars popping out, receivers would have stars popping out, and it wouldn't look like it was trying to do rocket science on figuring out how to get it the right way. Everybody got their touches in the tight end room from Troy Nicholas to Ben Koyak to you know, you just go down the list. Alizé Mack, as in and out as he's been, got enough to get uh, called on to the next level. So it's pretty crazy to see just how we look for so many answers, but the answers are really in that tight end room and just how they, they've even taken on different coaches through the years. And it hasn't lacked yeah. in, in, in hasn't enough changed. Hasn't yeah, changed. hasn't changed. To be honest, the tight end room now has been under Jared, Jared Parker's tutelage. Right, and he's definitely recruited well. So the trend goes on, and I I lend it to this left. In order to get on the field as a wide receiver and tight end at Notre Dame, you're not getting on the field unless you can block. You're not, unless you know That's you're it. Michael, unless you're Michael Floyd, Will Fuller, or somebody like that, or Eifert or something. Uh, yeah, but you have to block. Cooper Flanagan is playing because he can block. I think he graded as the second best blocking tight end. That's how you start from Saturday's game. That's how you get your reps. He's going to know how to block early. Yes. It's almost like the Jimmy Butler effect when he was here in Chicago. Jimmy got his reps because he could defend. That's how he got on the floor. And then when Luau Dang moved on, his offensive game flourished. Yeah, because he became a bigger option, you know. And now, Holden Stace, Cooper Flanagan, Eli Raritan, and the rest of this tight end room, now they have the opportunity to become passing options. It wasn't like they couldn't be passing options. Mitchell Evans was the number one passing option in the room. Now and it's funny see. because Mitchell Evans missed the first two games and came back and became a target. He wasn't like he came out to start the season as the main target. He was jumped into the lineup and became mm-hmm. a main target. So we were expecting the production to come from one of the receivers considering Sam got six receivers with a 1,000 yards. So... You know, speedy recovery to Mitchell Evans. But what do we say about good, great teams left last night? They find ways to win. Great teams have questions and they find answers. 
The best player in college football was just lost to Georgia. They found answers. They found answers. Now it's up to Marcus Freeman and the rest of that offensive staff to find answers. And it's and, and I'm glad not that he got hurt, but I'm glad at the fact that we would have to force ourselves to find answers on the team of people that we wanted more from anyway. Obviously our offense has been led by the tight end for the last five or six years. Now that the tight end can't be the prominent figure, considering yeah. we would think that we had better skill positions at this moment in time, that the tight end will be a more of a support role than ever a leading factor, which is good because now the receivers have to do it. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not it's not like uh, option B. It's like, no, you guys are option A from a yeah. production side outside of the running backs. And the tight ends are still going to be involved, but I don't think Sam is going to trust the tight ends at this moment to be their number one target. No. I, I'm not he'll sure. Try, he'll I'm try not to sure. Chris Tyree more. If anything, yes. if you're being yes. smart, you're finding Chris Tyree, your yes. Jordan Faison, you know. And then when, if we get a healthy Dion, work some of that. He Works definitely, Marcus Freeman definitely put in his bid for Chris Tyree to return for a fifth year in the press conference this year. He said he's, he feels like he's just scratching the surface on his transition to wide receiver and feels like he could be very good next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you say? He can be very utilized if he comes back. Right. You let this be known. We can grow this now. <laughs> you ain't got to run off too fast, you know. So he talked about going to another level. What does that next step look like, Marcus Freeman? Our preparation, and and that's my challenge to them is on a Monday is that we have to believe it's the way we prepare that gives us the opportunity to have the the outcome that we had on Saturday. And so my challenge to myself is to figure out, okay, where what are we doing in preparation? And where can we enhance? And then I'm going to challenge every individual, every coach, every player to raise the level even more this week because we know Clemson's going to have a great week of preparation and we got to exceed that. We got to challenge ourselves to, to practice better on a Monday through Friday than our opponent. And, and that's going to be challenging to do. But I do believe in my heart that we have another level in the preparation um, that will give us a chance to have success on Saturday. And the message to the guys today in the team meeting will be is, is I don't think we're playing better because we're doing more. I think we're playing better because our kids are playing with more velocity because they know what they're doing, why they're doing it, how they're doing it. And that's the belief that I have as the head coach, and they all have to believe it themselves, right, is that I would rather do a few things at level 10 than a lot of things at level 7. I mean, that's the message I'm going to give to them, like, we have to do the things we're asking our players to do at the highest level. And then once they are master that, once they master those things we're asking them to do, then they burn the right to do more. But as you, as you go back a few weeks ago, it was, hey, let's simplify. Let's simplify what we're doing so our guys can play fast. And I think that's what you're seeing on Saturdays. Mm. I don't think um we're discovering or recreating the will to know that simple 
is better, right? I'm watching, you correct me if this is not me. I'm watching Bears post game uh, last night left with uh, Alex Brown and Lance Briggs. And, and Lance Briggs is like, look, man, everybody thinks football is like this super complex thing. He's like, man, there's like five coverages on defense. Five. <laughs> He's like, dude, I go back to the days where we didn't have these touch screens. We literally had to wait for the printer to print out the plays so we could go through them on the sideline. So he was like, we didn't have instant adjustments. He was like, but dude, football is like five coverages and you know your gap. And wherever the play was successful at, whatever gap it was successful in, that's where the mistake was on the defense in that gap. Like, you don't have to put together this long equation to figure out what's wrong. And he's right. It might be difficult for us to understand it as fans, some of us, but the game really is simple. It, it really is. And um, Al Golden has admitted, I tried to bring my NFL style to these kids and it was too much. Yeah, it's just it's it's too much because you don't have as much time. Yeah. And also it's too much because you know, if you start being detailed, I don't like the whole simple wins thing. Yeah, simple is good, but we have to define simple in the context. I like to go more detailed oriented into simple things which can for people that don't follow it can be complex because defensively there's adjustments and there's different ways you play it that week there's different things that you have to take into consideration for who you're going against yeah if this was just base everything mm -hmm. you do your stuff the other team do their stuff and who wins but football's too complicated with some of these schemes that you got to have something to adjust because these offenses are going to take advantage of these theory concepts on defense when you say there's only five. Well, there's five million ways to beat it. And teams have gotten really good now at saying, okay, you have to do this because this is the base coverage and we're going to attack it this way. So now defenses has basically melded all of those defenses together. Mm -hmm. So something that may look like a cover three, it has cover three principles, but it's really covered four or something or a cover six. And so now everything is a match coverage. So everything that zone turns into yeah. man, man turns into zone concepts. So everything's melded together, which makes defense harder now. Mm-hmm. But also it, it messes up the offense a little bit because offenses have went through stages. We had the RPO phase. Yeah. And defenses at first was getting caught off guard and it was looking crazy. Nick Foles era for the Eagles. But after that, teams adjusted. And now it's a little harder to be too RPO stricken because you look at a team like Georgia Tech and Nebraska with Jeff Sims doing the RPO stuff. It's just not as successful the next year. So 
strategies change, but being detailed is what matters. And the NFL stuff is a very detailed thing. It's like, yeah, it's covered too. Absolutely. But Man. That stuff is like, you need to spend time for real. Or because football happens too fast. So, yeah, it's not going to work initially. Now, obviously, the first year is going to be harder than the second year. So, I think Al Golden has sprinkled some of that stuff in the second year because guys are getting it. But, yeah, first year install in general, no matter how much you want to get in, is very little you can that they'll get. And then the next year you build on that. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Uh, man, I totally agree, love. And I, I'll say this. Like, I understood what Lance Briggs was saying, but I also understood that Lance Briggs is speaking from a standpoint of we have them dogs. See, like, when you got them dogs, you, you don't, don't have, have to, to play much. a bunch. Man, Tampa Bay and the Bears can play cover two every down. Every down. Every, Cover two every down, maybe with cover three, cover four thrown in every now and then. Hell, relating it to college, Ohio State, when they had Chase Young and all them, they played one coverage. Mm-hmm. Quarters. And, and, you know, some defensive coordinators, you know, especially doing the CBS stuff, talking to these guys, you have some coaches that are like, look, we're a cover three team, and, and we're so good at it that we know what you're trying to do and we can adjust to it. Mm-hmm. We, we, you know, we're not going to – be complicated and then there's other defenses like western kentucky that okay this is the style they're going with this is how we attacking it and it might look totally different the next week because of the opponent and you got to be on the fly adjustable miami's defense with coach martin they're covered three i don't care who you're playing they want high safety and if you and if you hit us with some stuff okay but you're not gonna get us all game Al Golden, Al Golden knows what he has at corner, and he's coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's when he got good corners, he's like, oh, let's turn up. Yo, I talked to somebody from Clemson earlier today. They were like, man, how do, what do you think is going to happen? Da, da, da. I'm like, Al Golden is going to blitz K Club Nick all day. That's it. All day, because your That's wide receivers can't beat his defensive backs. 
So Kate Klubnik expects him to be on the run, especially without Will Shipley, all day long. Just all day. He's bringing it. You know? and It's available, too. Kate yeah. is going to have to have a DJ Uungagale game back in, what, 2018? 2020? Yeah. Yeah, 220. He's going to have to have one of them games. Best career game because it's not going to be another way. Mm-hmm. We're not going to let you run it. We're not going to let you nickel and diamonds because we're going to be coming. And from Al Golden's track record, him holding QBs better than him for probably their worst averages on the year, it's not looking good from a historical track for Cade. He might throw four. I mean, it started It started actually with Cade in that Clemson game and yeah. us getting four or five picks off of him. And starting jump starting Ben Morrison's career and all type and the defenses with good quarterbacks just continue to get worse and worse, you know. Our fan Brian Dembo, thanks for tapping in, man. He says, uh, Malik, can we find your games online? I believe are they on Paramount loaded up afterwards or YouTube? I believe so. Some is CBS has a sports network that they're trying to stream with, so I'm kind of trying to understand. Yeah. I, I, Try Paramount. Uh, I know CBS Sports does have a, a YouTube page. And I don't know if they do the full games, but I do know they do extended highlights. Yeah, that's right. You'll catch you'll catch us catch some good stuff from us, man. I appreciate y'all trying to find out where it's at. You know, and like I said, it was a uh, left's it was definitely left's best game. You can see you can see the improvement. It was his best game. He probably was comfortable because it was Coach Martin. You know, he was yeah, back in I Ohio. Had a little bit more uh, inner knowledge on it, and <laughs> I was a little more excited to call it. And you know, I'm glad that you noticed it a little bit better, man. Honestly, because uh, it's a it's an interesting thing that an interesting climb in terms yeah. of uh, finding ways to get better doing that. Like I've been hey, watching man. Tony Romo, and I think he's getting a little bit better. Yeah. Because he came in a little bit over the top with the whole predict the play thing, and that was his thing. <laughs> and now he's just more nuts and bolts as an analyst. And you can tell overall he's becoming better. Yeah, they asked him to study a little bit more. That's that's what happened. They was like, hey, you know, you, you made a splash with the whole predicting thing, but we need you to get into the, you know, more Chris Collins where – deeper dive mm. into it. Don't say Chris Collinsworth today. His name is Mud <laughs> in Chicago. Chris Collinsworth, he, he was terrible last night, bro. He See, thought he, so? He did way too much trying to promote Tyson Bajan, dude. Way oh, okay. too much. You didn't like how he was bumping up Tyson. <laughs> At one time, the man said, you know, that's what that Justin Fields needs to learn when nothing's there. Yeah, yeah, I, that, that, that's so funny. That's he needs to throw the ball away. away. And what happened the very next play? Tyson Bajan threw an interception. And yeah. I'm like, come and on, I, man. And that's so, and that's so funny you said that because he he did he did a play and I don't know why he thought this was good to say, but he was like, yeah, maybe Justin Fields can learn something. Can learn something he can apply that to his game. I'm like, first of all. Tyson Baguette is the undrafted backup, like no no Harold success in college and on no big level. Why are you comparing the two? Justin Fields don't need to learn nothing from no backup. What are you talking about? It was it was it was really bad. 
And um, several people I've talked to said that he was really regurgitating what the Bears coaches wanted him to say on air. Which, if that's the case, that's pretty sad. Wait, the Bears coaches were trying to get him to relate things that Tyson does well as a message to Justin? Yeah, that's... No wonder why I just had the do-rag in the shades on. He's done with y'all. He's done with Man, go look at the game. Second half, Mooney and DJ Moore kept walking over to Justin saying stuff. DJ Moore Moore had like one target in the second half. One. And he was making plays when he got the ball called to him. Hey, man, look. You know, we talked about this quarterback thing earlier today. We'll say that for a whole nother show. <laughs> Lucky Lucky Podcast, Marcus Freeman. Uh, yeah, the Clemson Tigers coming up, Death Valley. Early start, noon kickoff, Notre Dame instilled as, I think, a point-and-a-half favorite, which is very weird. We'll talk about that. But this is uh, Marcus Freeman talking about Clemson. Understand the challenge. Um, we have to understand the challenge that it's going to be to go down there. Um, they've had a very unique season. Um, you know, as you look at the record uh, versus what the film shows and really what the games tell you as you watch them. You know, those four losses, two of them were in overtime where they were leading the fourth quarter. Um, one of them, the first game of the year versus Duke, you know, they, they, the turnovers in the red zone, just a unique situation. And I don't know if I've ever seen a game like that. And then last week, um, they really, you know, the stats, if you just read the stats, would tell you they probably should have won that game. Um, and, you know, I think probably the turnovers, you know, ended up costing them that game. But this is a talented football team. And, um we understand the challenge that it will present on Saturday down at Clemson. And so we got to continue to go back to work, prepare, and uh, make sure we're ready to go on Saturday. It feels as though he's trying to find a way to speak good about them. And it's like he almost feels bad. He's like, man, now you look at this. I mean, they should have won. They didn't win, though. First game, they always call it an anomaly. They had a lot of good stats. They just didn't win. But I think Marcus Freeman's trying to find the the silver lining in a game where he probably feels as though they need to have the repeat success of when Clemson came to them last year in a, what, 37-7 attempt. And I think that's why he mentioned how well the overall success of the three phases of football played last week for us and how that was good to see because all three phases against Clemson last year were a major part of the victory, especially special teams. Adding special team touchdowns in the last two weeks, it spells a good sign for this week, considering that special teams made huge plays last year that gave us the momentum and I think took the heart out of Clemson early uh, and and had Kate uh, Klubnik playing a little bit more frantic just because even when they were punting it to us, we was doing well, we was blocking the punt, uh, and we had some good returns. And so they're probably watching last week film like, we can't let Chris Tyree go crazy on special teams. <laughs> you got to get Chris Tyree on the ground because he done made five, six people miss and gave them a spark that they needed. 
Left, let me tell you something. Marcus Freeman is a very nice man. He knows what it is. He watches the film. He knows that 60% of Clemson's offense, most, more than likely because the injury won't be on the field. He knows that. He knows that Al Golden is kicking butt right now. So if anything, I'll be talking a little, a little feisty when it comes to just having a high regard for what we've been able to do defensively against, in my opinion, better quarterbacks. Now, see, this is the thing. Clemson's receivers are mid. Right? Because that's been the Louisville's receivers were mid, though. No, Louisville has some NFL receivers, dude. They have at least two. Clemson's best receiver is a freshman. Is a freshman. Um, Bo Collins is nice. This is this is the problem. And I look. If you want to say Clemson has on paper has a talented team, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Go watch Clemson's football games. They struggle offensively because their quarterback is a bad decision maker. We say this every week. I don't care how talented Cade Klubnik is. Every week, he makes bad decisions that put Clemson in bad situations. The situation that Marcus Freeman talked about against Duke, being careless with the ball, Cade Klubnik, on two occasions against Duke, cost them points in the red zone. He's going to make bad decisions this Saturday. That's who he is. He made bad decisions against Louisville. Is who he is. Will he mature out of that? Probably so. But he is a bad decision-making quarterback. Who leaned on Will Shipley, who was 60% of their offense. He won't be there Saturday. He won't be there. So who else does he lean on? Because Will Shipley was passing game, run game, special teams. All of that is gone. Will Moffa is not Will Shipley. The offensive line is not good. They're not good. North Carolina State dominated their offensive line. Dominated their offensive line. And the wide receivers couldn't get open. So on paper, yeah, you all, oh, there's talent on this Clemson team. Yeah. But they've consistently struggled to get off man-to-man -man coverage against Everybody, they've consistently turned the ball over in the red zone. Their quarterback has consistently made mistakes. And their defense still gives up the run game if you stick with it and you're physical enough, like Notre Dame did last year. They stuck with the run game and wore them down. That's it. That's it. So I don't know. You play football and on any given Saturday, if you don't play your game, you can lose. But no one should be, this is not a Clemson game where I'm going into the game scared because Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback.
Right. That's not, this is not that Clemson. Not for me. I'm worried about Notre Dame. I'm not worried about Clemson. Clemson is four and four. I'm worried about Notre Dame and how they're going to play on the road early. That's my concern. And the offensive line come out and set the tone and not make mistakes, commit penalties. Can we not drop passes? Can we not throw interceptions in the red zone, Sam Parker? That's it. That's all I'm worried about. I'm not worried about Clemson. Clemson, this is not Clemson of two, three years ago. They're not. Especially not defensively. And they're young, right? Two of their best defensive players are freshmen. They're young, right? They have some really good defensive backs. Wiggins likes to play man to man. But Notre Dame's offense is not based upon our wide receivers. If we go out there and play like we want to win, I don't think they can hang with us. But no, if we they go can't out hang there through. and give them the They couldn't physically hang with us last year with a better team. They couldn't. So this is exactly what Marcus Freeman talked about, Left, Like, this is about us, our preparation, us taking that next step to the next level. The next level is not, oh, we beat Clemson. No. Handle success. Practice better this week than you did last week because we're Notre Dame. Not because we're playing Clemson, because we're Notre Dame. And this is what we do. This is what we do. We get better. And we go out and we dominate. Yeah, it's like you don't want to over uh, excite yourself over this because this is a part of what we are building mm-hmm. and are want to be consistent with. We want to be consistent with putting up these kind of point totals and we want to make it as casual as we can because we know that we recruit well enough that most of these games should look like that. The games that we are struggling with, and it's also a, a, a frustrating thing to have such a wide point margin against teams we know we can win and then have such a low point total when we're going against teams that matter on our schedule in terms of playoff success. We go to Marcus Freeman. One of the best topics. You'll enjoy this, love. I believe it was Mr. Hansen who asked Marcus Freeman about the defense and Al Golden, and then the conversation left led to a conversation we had a couple of weeks back. Mike Mickens as the defensive coordinator. I think you'll enjoy this. Marcus Freeman first on Al Golden and what he's brought to the table. You know, the, the work he puts into it, the game plan, um, the ability to to convey his message, to get um, what he wants from his players um, has been great. You know, the what you see is a, a, on Saturdays is a reflection of what our players know. 
Right? We can spend endless amount of time coming up with game plans, but at the end of the day, it's what they can do, right? It's what they understand and then they can do and go perform. And um, it is credit to Coach Golden, our defensive staff, on the performance of our defense this whole season. And Coach Freeman is exactly right. This staff has done an incredible job. Um, they recognize that they have, the, and we said this, they have two dogs at defensive tackle, and they got dogs on the back end. And Xavier Watts has welcomed, has pretty much invited himself to the park and said, yo, I'm, I'm the next dog on his back end with two more interceptions against Pitt. So when the dogs are on the back end, who's recruiting them? Who's developing them? And uh, is it possible that he could be a defensive coordinator? Coach Freeman. He's is, is ready to be a defensive coordinator. Um, that's why we gave him the passing game coordinator title um, during the offseason. And uh, he is he is a tremendous football coach, um, schematically and in the fundamentals of playing the cornerback position. One of the greatest things he does is the way he evaluates. You know, I've said this story before, but at Cincinnati, I wasn't standing on the table for Sauce Gardner when we started recruiting him, and, and Mickens did. Mickens said, this is the guy um, that we need here. And we knew right away that um, when he got to campus, man, he was special. And the same thing goes for the, the guys in this room now. He's a great evaluator, um, and then he's a great developer um, of the cornerback position. But as far as the schematics, he, he has a great, a brilliant mind. And they're, they're all in that deepest room collaborative on, on the game plan. Um, but um, I, I firmly believe Mike Mickens is ready to be a defense coordinator. That's great lobby. I love, I love Marcus Freeman left because he's always looking forward. You, you can tell there's a reason why he gave passing game coordinator responsibilities to Mike Mickens. He, he understood that he needed to add more tools so at the right time, the elevation can come. I'll say this. For whatever reason, whether it's Al Golden leaving or whatever reason that Mike Mickens is a candidate for defensive coordinator, I fully support it. I back this message. If it is indeed used as a commercial for his uh, candidacy. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah that's what I was saying. I approve of this uh... message. And I, I love the fact that um, from recruiting to development, more responsibility is preparing you for your next step, whether it's at Notre Dame or somewhere else. And you have to love it. You absolutely have to love it. And if this happens, he might instantly become the best recruiting defensive coordinator at Notre Dame in the last decade. Easily, easily. But we've had great defensive recruiters, just not as a as a defensive coordinator. And I think it would be very nice for a Mike Mickens fit in this type of situation because of the fact that he has all the things needed to put yourself in a position where guys will play for you similar to Marcus Freeman's build 
as well as the development factor to keep guys. So not only can you recruit guys, not only can you show them your recruiting success with current mm-hmm. guys like a sauce gardener, but then you can also develop them each specifically. I mean, a Jaden uh, Mickey is different than a Ben Morrison, different than a Cam Hart. But to get all of them to play on the same accord and to have at least one of them be an All-American and all the things that are uh, he's accomplishing, Mike Mickey has definitely set himself up to be a nice that you would appreciate being in-house. Mm-hmm. Not a guy that you didn't even know was on the the list at all. And then you turn around and get surprised that he was on the hiring list. I think Mike Mickens would be the in-house hire that if it was to go down like that, everybody. Left's on the road. Might have gone into an area where the signal dropped on him. But like he was saying, you know, not to compare. Not to compare. But the response from Notre Dame fans to the elevation of Mike Mickens in comparison to uh, the elevation of Jared Parker would probably uh, garner a totally different response, you know, from the fan base. I think the response would be uh, tremendous, similar to how Marcus Freeman's response when he got hired as head coach. I think the team would respond similarly with Mike Mickens, who has been working real quietly in the background, but having a lot of success and results on the field, similar to how Brian uh, Mason was able to do uh, on special teams, and it led him to a lot of success after the season. So I do think in the absence of an Al Golden potentially going back to the league, it would make the smartest move to elevate a guy he's been with since Cincinnati uh, to, to be in that position to run the defense, where I think he would have a lot more success because he knows who he's coaching. You know, Al Golden had to adjust to who he had because he's coming from NFL, Super Bowl, all of that. Uh, Mike Mickens knows who's there because he's brought him there. And so he would know what truly fits him and then to be able to develop them and hire guys that are similar to him and this, that, and the third. So it would be the smartest move to make. And I think it would be even more advantageous for us to keep him because I know he's going to get a lot of attention after this year. Especially when, especially when Ben Morrison goes to the league. That would be two first-round picks at the corner position. He's responsible for that. And so, uh, you know, it will be interesting to see how that goes down. And it looks like Christian Gray will be another one on that path. Okay. Jaden Mickey has gotten much better. And I will say this, Chris O'Leary, who I've been critical of in the class of 23 and 24. The way he's starting off the 25 class, from a safety position, if he can continue that trend and start to connect with what Mike Mickens is doing at the defensive back situation, whoo, man, we can start to see a Notre Dame defense that is becoming problematic on an annual basis. That's right. It's and it's crazy to because of the tight ends. It's just a repetitive thing. Like it's, yes. it's more of a constant. 
then it is a, a variable to where the variables affect uh, or have affected our other positions. Like, you know, we thought it was Dell Alexander, but then we thought of thinking it's Chauncey, and then we, but with the tight ends, it doesn't matter who's coaching. No. And defensively, it's almost at the point, you know, after by the Brian Van Gorder experience, we've had a pretty constant defensive uh, stout, even with the end years of Kelly, with Elko and Long, and defense have been solid. Maybe secondary has gotten stronger under Marcus Freeman, but that just shows that the defense is still evolving to be better than what I thought we were pretty good with the other guys, too. It is. Well, I. It, I feel like something is starting to be formed at Notre Dame, maybe an identity. Maybe Marcus Freeman is figuring out, okay, I can't get the cream of the crop big boys out of the South. Heck, we, we couldn't even get the best big dude 70 miles to the East or to the West, shall I say in this recruiting cycle. But what I can do is I can go get long athletic guys that can rush the passer, get them in droves with really good linebackers and lock down defensive backs and just come after you and play fast, as he said in the press conference, and force you into mistakes. And then we'll figure out how to be able to stop the run game by developing our interior guys, right? Because, you know, you can't sit there like Georgia and Alabama and just say, oh, man, we can just pick 320-pounders off the street every year that are really fast, big, and elite. Yeah, just really fast, big, hole pluggers. Yeah, but, you know, like I sent you the Shanklin kid from Warren Central in Indianapolis that they seem to have uh, grown with getting on him late and uh, I sent you the the film to break it down the first thing you said to me is man I I like the kid but man can we recruit some big dudes on the inside we get a bunch of red pass rushers interior guys are not our target since Sheldon and Big Lou Mm. because Jerry was considered a two way O lineman you know defensive guy but Mm-hmm. We haven't had just a strict Lewis Nix or a straight Sheldon come in in a long time. Because everybody's a hybrid. Like, even Isaac Rochelle was a hybrid. He was. He played outside a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was yeah. like. Who's Which gonna, helped him when he was going to the next level. I mean, that's why he's still serviceable. He can, yeah. you know, and he's got the size. So. Yeah. You know, Kurt Heinisch was an inside-outside player, you know. So maybe that's – maybe it's too hybridized. I think defensive line is still stone age. Uh, you need the big, strong dudes that lift a lot of weight. But the deep, this is what we hinted at, or you hinted at, and brilliantly, might I say, when you talked about or responded to what I told you Lance Briggs said is that the NFL game is evolving. Like, you know, high school went to college. College is going to the NFL, right? Um, And then you got, because you got these egghead coaches that are getting into these positions 
where they spend all freaking day trying to distort defenses like the Mike Daniels and the Kyle mm-hmm. Shanahan's and Matt LaFleur's and all these guys off these legacy coaching trees that have evolved the, the original stuff that has gotten them so far. And then you get guys like Kyle Shanahan, uh, Kevin Stefanski, I think, calls some pretty good games for the Browns. Uh, is it O'Connell? Is that his O'Connell, name? O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell. With the Minnesota Vikings. He's really good. He's called, he is he called, really good. You got Cooper Rush out here in, in, the, in L.A. Uh, for the Chargers calling plays. Obviously, Sean McVay, the wonder boy, was the one that broke that lever of getting younger type of creative mind, offensive coaches. And so now these you've basically put all the nerds yeah. at – the, all the all the GA nerds that started from nothing that spent hours printing off papers and developing game plans for you, all those nerds that spent all them hours are now your offensive coordinators and head coaches. It's basically like a bunch of Eric Spolstra, uh, uh, Eric Spolstra's guys that started in the mailroom mm-hmm. and 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 listened and soaked up everything they learned from in the building. <laughs> and are young enough to have the energy to create and be innovative and do all these new things. And now they're your head coaches and OCs. And this has changed the game for these older defensive guys, the Pat Narduzzi's, where, you know, the standard stuff ain't standard. Yeah. Nick Saban has adjusted defensively as, as you know, for the, for the most part. But guys like Lane Kiffin and Lincoln Riley and – all those guys that are Cliff Kingsbury's that are filtering some of their stuff into the league. It's just getting to a point where defensively you're going to have to stay on that. And that's where Al Golden, you know, being a, a guy that that understands that and understands it well enough to not be the same team on defense every week, which gives us a lot of success and chances to win because even in the games that we've lost – They've never been out of reach because defense has been making it hard for them to score regardless. Best offense in the world or the worst. We're the reason USC is looking rough. Hey, Caleb, <laughs> did you see Caleb in the post game? <laughs> I didn't see the well, post game. Yo, somebody asked him after the Cal game, like, yo, how does it feel to get back on track after your recent struggles? And Caleb laughed, and he was like, Dude, in two years, I've had one bad game. Notre Dame got me. He said, Notre Dame got me. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I, I haven't been turning the ball over. I haven't been throwing interceptions. Like, yeah. He said, Notre Dame got me. That's right. He said, and he's really went to good. the wire with Colorado. He's went to the wire with a, a lot of and these teams. So it was, it was funny. He didn't say Utah. You know, he it, was, it was the credit he gave Notre Dame. In that response, like, dude, they got me. They truly oh. saw him some stuff that it was bigger than, oh, I just, I just had a bad throw. Yeah, it was like, no, nah, they, they got a look on me, like they really confused me. Utah just hit him. They was just out physical and just beat him up. Bro, we actually look, put him in when positions you, where when he was you lead like, a drive, bro. When you lead a drive to take the lead with two minutes left, and then your defense gives up a third and 18 on a quarterback 
Bro, I look, you know what I'm saying? Because we get blamed for talking too much Caleb Williams or whatever. But I made it connect to Notre Dame and the love that he showed to Notre Dame. So that's that. And you know, but it's but it does credit the defense once again that we put complete game plans together and that we're actually trying to take something away. I think yeah. what Notre Dame did well versus C.J. Stroud was take away the easy stuff early and had him go through his reads and rely on the run game. Caleb Williams, we didn't allow him to spend so much time creating more time in the pocket with a different kind of pressure rush that allowed him to make the mistakes himself finally. And they pushed him to his left. That's right. They treated him like a dominant left-hand player in basketball. That's right. Like force him to his right, make him use his right hand. If and he's that's going exactly to escape, detailed. Yes. Details come in. This is why simplifying. Most teams say that simplifying, mm-hmm. but get cooked by Caleb Williams because it's bigger than a simplified simplified thing. We know that. Little things like adjusting him and pushing him a certain way or pushing him to the short side of the field causes different decisions for him to make, and he's forced to do different things. Utah did that to him in the championship game last year, pushed him to his left, and he threw that unreasonable pick mm-hmm. towards the end of the game. Those are the little things that you focus on during the week where you have to rely on your guys to know that from a schematic standpoint less about the plays it's less about running the cover two more about saying all right when we send it rush high and rush uh, pressure rush to not get out of your lanes where he has to feel uncomfortable enough to not run around you and those are the things that you got to watch film for and why you hire guys that are next level elite so Notre Dame installed as a one and a half point favorite on the road Early kickoff, noon kickoff, Saturday, Death Valley. <sighs> Left basically means on a neutral field, Vegas would install Notre Dame as about a four-and-a-half, five-point favorite. Um, basically, what Vegas is telling you is that they expect the Clemson defense to be able to handle Notre Dame's offense Right at, at home. That's basically what they're telling you. To the the wire. Yeah, Clemson really isn't going to do anything offensively, but their defense should be able to keep them in the game because of Notre Dame's offense, because Vegas doesn't believe in Notre Dame's offense. Well, they have some right to say that, considering how how Jekyll and Hyde we looked in the games where you would have thought it would have been a shootout Mm -hmm. or would have thought it been – even in a primetime game, wouldn't have been as close as it was. But the point totals in these primetime games haven't been reflective of how we looked when we played teams that Vegas got us beaten by five and a half or whatever. So I think they're hedging their bets that, oh, Notre Dame's not going to get us on this 58-7 win against Pitt because we know what they look like when they play teams that matter or teams that – that are hyped up as a, a game of the week or whatever. So, notice Vegas loves tricking people. They love using Notre Dame. See, they they won big 
with Ohio State and all the fools that took Ohio State. They won big when people took Duke and Notre Dame covered, right? <laughs> Notre Dame gonna cover that's <laughs> right. They got people on USC early. People early. Are like, oh my god, they got Notre Dame as a favorite. Bunch they of got, money they came got USC in on USC early. early. And Vegas laughed walking away from that one as well. Vegas, we knowing now. Bruh, it's one and a half. Oh, they are dude, they are getting people in with that one and a half. They had to coming off of that lost in North Carolina State. They were like, We gotta make this juice. Yeah, yeah. We gotta we gotta make the action come. And that one and a half (laughs) is just enough to have people biting on Clemson. Just enough. <laughs> it's just enough. They go that one and a half gonna make people think. You know what? They they could use this as motivation to make a turnaround game. You know. And, yeah. And and K Club it won't be that bad again. And yeah. All right. Vegas. Hey, don't let Vegas get you now. Man. One question before we switch over. Jason Smith, thank you for tapping in. He says, do, do you guys think SMA is the best running back in the country? Um, I think running backs is just hard to say because everybody uses them in different ways. You know, Bucky Irvin is more of a scat back, but he's productive. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and and some can say if that's what you want for your offense, they would take that over an Aldrich. You know, I don't see Aldrich being the LeGarrette Blunt of Oregon because Oregon doesn't run like that anymore. You know, they go LeGarrette Blunt was about Aldrich's size and they go half his size to put that running back. They don't even attempt to bring no big backs in at Oregon. Uh, you look at Ohio State and Travion Henderson, the game he had against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could say he's back on track and being productive and all of that. Hell, the running backs from Penn State you could just close your eyes and pick one, and they're going to be uh, considered very valuable. Wisconsin's right. The, uh, the young kid, yeah, Allen is hurt. Bray, Brayden Allen, he's amazing. Brayden Allen's hurt. The kid from the kid from Florida State has had some monster games. <laughs> yeah, the some, two some monster games. Uh, Jawad, you know, the kid from Louisville. Kid from Louisville, yeah. He Man. gave us he, a lot of trouble. So He's big time. I'll, so, give you I mean, a, I'll give you another one. The kid from uh, Jake, and we saw this when he was a freshman. The Jaden Ott kid from California. He's special. He is a special running back. A very special Who running is? back. Who is? Jaden Ott from Cal. We saw him as a freshman coming to Notre Dame Stadium and show the flashes. He's a very good running back. I mean, I would put Aldrich right up there. You yeah, know? it just depends on what you want to do offensively. And I think Aldrich- I would I'll say this. I would lean towards Aldrich over Travion because I can depend on him to be available. I can't trust just Travion Henderson to be healthy. I can't trust Braylon Allen to be healthy. Yeah, they both he's been that. injured a lot, you know. So um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with anyone saying. Somebody earlier we were talking about the trip out. We were we were we had to stop in Minnesota left because we were headed to Palm Springs. 
that was where we were eventually hit. Oh, okay. Yeah, Palm Springs. I got you. Yeah. Man, I don't yeah. know how they think of that either. I don't know. They, <laughs> we come back, we jump into the Clemson side. <laughs> Is it Notre Dame's fault that they're 4-4? Four and four? We'll talk about it. Lucky Duffy Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.